1 Corinthians chapter 15. And I don't necessarily want to give a, a full sermon or exposition of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Um, I really want to hit really three bullet points in this in this text and get us out so that we can, again, be in the head of the line when it's time to eat. Amen. (laughs) We've been working our way through first Corinthians, and I think it would be a good uh, point to jump to chapter 15 today and talk about the resurrection. First Corinthians chapter 15. I'll start reading at verse one and go down to verse four. Paul writes, now I would remind you, brothers and sisters, of the good news that I proclaim to you, which you in turn received, in which you also stand, through which also you are being saved, if you hold firmly to the message that I proclaim to you, unless you have come to believe in vain. For I handed on to you as a first of as of first importance what I turn I in turn have received that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Let's pray. Lord, again, we come before you asking that you would open our hearts and our minds, that you would give us wisdom and knowledge and understanding concerning what you have done for us uh, on the cross. We ask now, Lord, that we would be able to not only understand the importance of the resurrection for you, but also the implications for our own lives today and in the future. We thank you now for all these things in Jesus name. Amen. I want to use just for this title, was the resurrection necessary? Now, this question for us seems to be mute, right? Um, It seems for us, we know that the resurrection was necessary. But we do have to ask the question because there are so many people today, even some Christians, um, who are not clear on this point. Did Jesus physically get raised from the dead? As I said, there are so many Christians today who would say no to that. Um, Or some of them will say that it is really an irrelevant question, right? Some people just say that Jesus was raised spiritually from the dead or that the Bible is speaking metaphorically when it talks about Jesus being raised from the dead. What I want us to do really quickly is look at John chapter 10. John chapter 10. Let's look at what Jesus said on the subject. He said this so many different times. I just want us to look at this one example of what Jesus said. John chapter 10. Verse 11 through 18. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. 
The hired hand, who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because the hired hand does not care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father. I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. For this reason, the father loves me because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it up again. I have received this command from my father. Now notice what Jesus says in this passage. Jesus says that he loves his sheep and he is going to lay his life down for the sheep and he's going to pick it back up again. Now, the question is, did Jesus lay his life down spiritually or metaphorically? No, Jesus literally laid his life down. He died on the cross. Okay, so he says he is going to lay his life down and he is going to take his life back up again. Jesus says that he has the power to lay his life down and to take it back up again. So Jesus says this in a variety of ways throughout his life. And if he is physically laying his life down, then he must also mean that he is going to physically take his life back up again. And we know that this is what Jesus said, because in Matthew chapter 27, one of the passages that we read this morning, his enemies understood him to mean he was going to get up physically. That is why they sent soldiers to guard his tomb. So Jesus said he would rise physically and his enemies understood him to mean that he would rise physically. So it is a little deceptive to switch and say that Jesus was referring to being raised spiritually. Jesus laid everything on his claim that he would be able to be raised from the dead. Jesus staked his deity, himself being God, on his ability to lay down his life and pick it back up again. If Jesus was not able to be raised from the dead or to raise himself from the dead, he would literally be proved to not be God. Or as C.S. Lewis famously said, Jesus was either a liar, a lunatic, or the Lord of heaven. Three things I want to point out in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Back to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Three things I want to point out in this text. And then I'll let you go. The first thing I want us to see in this passage is Jesus's physical resurrection is a necessary, provable part of the gospel. It is necessary and it is provable. Now, I'm not going to go through um, a lot of apologetics on different ways that we can prove the resurrection. 
I just want to look at just the, the one proof that, that Paul gives here in this text. Okay. <clears throat> he says, verse three, I handed on to you as of first importance what I received that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scripture and that he was buried and that he was raised on the day on the third day in accordance with the scripture verse 5 and that he appeared to Cephas then to the 12 then he appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at one time most of whom are still alive though some have died then he appeared to James then to all of the apostles last of all as to me um, as to one untimely born. Now, listen to what Paul is saying here. And I think that it's interesting since we love court TV uh, in our country, right? I was, I was getting my taxes done. I was sitting in the, in, the, in the lobby and I was watching Judge Judy, right? The head up on the screen. And, and it, it just dawned on me, I would never, ever, 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 ever go to Judge Judy's <laughs> courtroom, okay? I mean, she was, I mean, she was laying this man out because he did not have the evidence to prove his point. And if you go into Judge Judy's courtroom and she asks you for proof and you do not present it, she will lose it. Okay? She, I mean, she went off on this guy, right? She, I mean, she was yelling and screaming. She was just going off on this guy. And so it reminded me of the reason Paul had to list publicly the people that physically saw Jesus after his resurrection. In Jewish law, they could not go to court and prove a case unless they had at least two to three witnesses. But notice what Paul does. He explains that Jesus went overboard on proving his case. Jesus appeared to not two or three witnesses, Jesus appeared to more than 500 people after his resurrection. And not all at one time, in various points over the course of 40 days before he went back to heaven. Now, it is important because Jesus tells the people that he had appeared to in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, very importantly, he says, you will be my witnesses, this is a, a legal term, right? Right. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the othermost parts of the world. Jesus was telling them, and Paul is repeating this claim, that legally speaking, you have the right to stand on my behalf and prove that I have been physically raised from the dead. This claim is such an important claim that people today try to say that the people that Jesus appeared to were hallucinating. They thought they saw Jesus, but they really did not. And this has sparked such a controversy that they literally has, have done research. And the research proves you can't get multiple people to hallucinate and see the same thing at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The resurrection is a necessary, provable part of the gospel. Notice what Paul says the gospel is. He says that Christ died for our sins, according to the scripture. He was buried and he rose from the dead, 
according to the scripture. If you remove the part of the resurrection, you lose the gospel. You have no good news if Jesus died but couldn't get back up. The second thing I want you to see in this passage is if Jesus was not physically raised from the dead, being a Christian is a big waste of your time. You're not going to hear that in church, but I promise you it's true. Okay. Listen to what Paul says in verse 12. Verse 12, he says, Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some say to you that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our proclamation has been in vain and your faith has been in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testify of God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if Christ, um, for if the dead are not raised, I'm sorry, then Christ has not been raised. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have died in Christ have perished. If for this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. Listen to what Paul says. Paul says that if Jesus did not physically get up from the dead, if he was only raised spiritually, if the Bible was only speaking metaphorically about Jesus' resurrection, he says our preaching is in vain. Our preaching is shallow <laughs> if, if Jesus really did not get up. You're wasting your time getting dressed, coming to church every single Sunday to listen to someone tell you a fairy tale. Why would you waste your time doing that? He says that not only is our preaching in vain, he says that your faith is in vain. You are trusting in something that is not true. <laughs> your faith is in vain. He says, not only is your faith in vain, he says that we're actually lying on God by saying that he raised Christ from the dead if he did not raise him. And the ultimate consequence of this is that all of your loved ones that you thought were in heaven, Paul says, they've perished. They're really in hell. All of those people for the last 2,000 years who have put their trust in Christ, if he was not physically raised from the dead, they have no hope. They are not in heaven. Now, some people will say that if the gospel isn't true, then by continuing to come to church and to follow the Bible and living good moral lives, at least you have lived a good life. At least you lived morally. Now, I understand that point, but I have to say that that is stupid. Because if the gospel is not true, if Jesus did not get raised from the dead, if Jesus is not God, why are you wasting your time living a moral life? Paul literally says, he literally says, verse 32, I want you to look at verse 32. This is Paul's advice to you. If Jesus was not physically raised from the dead, don't continue living a nice godly life. 
he says, verse 32, if with mere, merely human hopes I fought with wild animals at Ephesus, what would I have gained by it? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Y'all live around, running around living good godly lives, <laughs> being faithful to your wives and not, you know, smoking weed and enjoying yourselves, you know? I remember when I was in seminary, me and my, I was in seminary, me and one of my friends, our birthdays were like six days apart, and, and uh, he lived a couple doors down from me in seminary, and he said, hey, man, you want to go to the Latin Palace for our birthday? <laughs> I was like, you know, I would go, but I'm going to run into too many people from my church. <laughs> <laughs> I literally, that's exactly what my answer was, okay? But listen, why not go? Why not? If, if Jesus was not physically raised from the dead, go have a party. Live in sin, a sinful lifestyle. Enjoy all the world has to offer for you. Eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. It doesn't really matter. There's no resurrection. There is no judgment day. Do whatever you want because it won't really matter in the end anyway. Okay. Now, I don't want anyone to leave and say, Pastor said, just go and enjoy ourselves. <laughs> okay. I said, if the gospel is not true, okay, <laughs> go enjoy yourself. But it is true. So make sure you live a, a good godly lifestyle. Be faithful to your wives. Okay. Okay. <laughs> don't, don't, you know, don't try to use me incorrectly. Okay. But he says that if the gospel is not true, if Jesus was not raised from the dead, then we are of all men, all people, to be most pitied. The world really should look on us and, and pity us for, for wasting our time trying to be morally upstanding if there is no truth to the gospel. They, they should pity us. Okay? And they should pity us because... Of all the people in the world, we are the most gullible. We will be the most gullible. Now, here's my third point, my final point that I want to want to give us here today so that I can let you all go. All right. My third point is this. Because Jesus physically rose from the dead, we have hope beyond the grave. Because Jesus physically was raised from the dead, we have hope beyond the grave. Look at verse 50. Verse 50. Paul says, What I am saying, brothers and sisters, is this. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I will tell you a mystery. We will not all die, but we will all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For this perishable body must put on imperishability, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When this perishable body puts on imperishability and this mortal body puts on immortality, then the saying that is written will be fulfilled. Death has been swallowed up 
in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the work of the Lord, because you know that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Paul here is telling us, and I know that we're all familiar with this. You probably hear this at like every other funeral, okay? <laughs> but, but Paul is telling us here that because Christ was raised from the dead, you also have hope in the next life. Because Jesus was able to raise himself from the dead, he said that he will raise up everyone who believes in him on the last day. Okay. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, he now has the ability to raise you from the dead. I want to look at really two quick passages again. I know Tony is going to be upset. I didn't give him these passages. But real quickly, I want you to turn with me to John, the Gospel of John, chapter 14, um, so you can see what our future hope is. And this is not only a future hope for ourselves, but it is the hope that we have for all of our loved ones that have passed away. For all of our loved ones that have passed away. Like I said last week, I think about my grandparents and my uncles that have passed away. I think about my, one of my best friends growing up who passed away. Uh, uh, I think my, our third year in college. I, I, I think about, about them, and, but I don't have sadness when I think about them. <laughs> You know, the, the, the sadness that I had has given way to peace and it has given way to peace because I know that they are with the Lord and I will see them again one day. Not spiritually. <laughs> I will see them one day physically. Well, as Job says, that even when the, the skin worms destroy this body, yet in this body, I will see God. Listen to what Jesus says. Verse 1, he says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I, I, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself so that where I am, there you may be also. Jesus says here, telling his disciples that he is going to leave them, but they can have peace. They don't have to be afraid of him leaving because he says he's leaving so that he can prepare a place for him. He's preparing a mansion, okay, so to speak, or as the theory goes. Okay. Now, I don't know. The, the word can mean mansion. It can mean dwelling places. Okay, but let's go with the mansions. Okay, because I just, I just, I want to see myself living, you know, on the lifestyles of the rich and famous in heaven. Okay, we all get a mansion. Okay, so Jesus is leaving to prepare a place for you, and He says, "If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and receive you to myself. And where I am, there you will be also." Jesus is not talking about a spiritual reality. He is talking about what will happen physically. 
I want you to turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Paul gives a, a, a more in-depth treatment of the resurrection here. Of course, we know from 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that Jesus will appear. And when he appears in the clouds, right, uh, it says in a moment, faster than you can blink your eye, he says our physical bodies will be changed from immortal bodies into immortal bodies. And those who were in the grave that were asleep, they will be raised, right? And, and then all of us, we will be taken to heaven to be with him. Listen to what Paul says again here in a little more detail in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, starting at verse 13. He says, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about those who have died, so that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have died. For this we declare to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will by no means proceed those who have died. For the Lord himself, with a cry of command, with the archangel's call, and with the sound of God's trumpet, will descend from heaven, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up in the clouds together with them to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Now, notice what Paul says here. Paul says here in a little more detail what will take place during uh, what we call the rapture. Okay. And so Paul here is, is saying that he has given us the, this understanding so that you do not grieve as those who have no hope. He doesn't say so that you don't grieve. Right. When you lose a loved one, you can grieve, but you will grieve as those who have hope. He says here in this passage that there will come a day when Jesus will will descend. Right. And he will there will be a trumpet blast. And on that day, the dead in Christ will be raised. He says those of us who are still alive and prayerfully, I'm one of the ones who are still alive. OK, <laughs> OK, but if not, you know, I still have hope. OK, I've always wanted to be one of the ones that's still alive. OK, but still, listen, he says. Those of us who are alive, we will not proceed. We will not get ahead of the line of those people who have died. The dead in Christ will rise first. Now, I don't understand the order because like it all happens like that. <laughs> so but in some way, and God is able to time it out real perfectly. OK, so the dead in Christ will rise first. We will all be given our glorified bodies and then we will be taken to heaven with Christ. Right. He says we will be caught up to meet him in the air. And I think the best way for me to illustrate this is an example of my own life. You know, growing up, I was in trouble a whole lot. Because I remember this one time we were in the supermarket with my mother. Probably shouldn't tell this story, but 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 we were, we were walking through the supermarket and they had these big. Uh, uh, bins with candy in it and so you know me I'm walking along and I'm like <laughs> right just grabbing some candy and 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 so my mother's telling me to you know stop eating that candy and and, and I fell out on the floor okay <laughs> I fell out on the floor and and and, and my mother raptured me 
off the floor. She said, you know, and, and, and I was caught up. I thought I was going to meet the Lord in the air. <laughs> Don't try that in 2021. They call CPS on you. But, <laughs> but listen, that's exactly what's going to happen when Jesus returns. He says that, that we will be caught up to meet him in the air. And just like death could not hold him, death will not hold you. When Jesus calls your name, just like he called Lazarus, death will let you go and you will be caught up to meet him in the air. And there we will always be with the Lord. That is the hope of the gospel. That is what Jesus died for. And that is what we celebrate on Easter Sunday. Because he lives, we will live also. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day that we are able to come and to celebrate what you have done for us, not only on the cross, but also by by the symbol of the open tomb. We thank you because you were victorious over the grave. We will be victorious as well. As Paul says, O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? There is no more sting or victory in death or in the grave because you got up, you completely destroyed the power of death. So even when we face death or even when we see our loved ones die, we can grieve, but we can grieve with hope because we know that there is life beyond the grave. As Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We pray, Lord, that you would help us not to only look back on the cross and the resurrection as a past event. But I pray that you would help us to have this living hope inside of us every single day, that we are looking forward to the day when we will be resurrected just like you were. Help us to, in the meantime, as John says, everyone who has this hope will live a pure life. I pray that you would help us to live today in light of what will be our future. Help us, Lord, to know that us living a godly lifestyle and restricting our freedoms to live according to your word, that doesn't call, leave us the cause for, to be pitied by the world because we know we are living in light of a future day. Help us to know that the reason that we don't eat and drink and be merry is because there will come a day when we will face you and we will answer for the things that we have done. But we know that on that day, even though we will answer for the things that we've done in our body, the result is already settled. You will say, well done, good and faithful servant. We look forward to the day when we will be able to see you, our risen Savior, and we can worship you for all eternity, for all that you have done for us. We thank you now for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I hope that you all will... Uh,
enjoy your Easter Sunday. I know that that uh, the kids just want candies and Easter bunnies, okay? <laughs> but but you know it's it's good for us to be able to come to this time and constantly reflect on uh, what Jesus did for us, right? Um, he did everything he did for us. He died.